0: Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of MixerG, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built uh, their businesses. Joining me is someone whose business, I feel like it's phenomenal already, but it's going to be way bigger in the future. And here's why. It solves this problem that I couldn't stop complaining about for a while. And I think people on Twitter just told me, Andrew, just shut up. You have to accept it. Um, But Ivan Soto Wright did not want to accept it. Here's the issue. The one that he solved. If you want to buy something online, that's like crypto denominated, It's such a freaking pain in the ass of wallets, of going over to Coinbase, of moving money in and then waiting seven days or whatever till they say it's okay and then you get to buy it. Like, I I just want to buy this stupid. I remember what it was. It was a zap gun gift that I wanted to buy and I had to do all that. It was such a pain in the ass. Anyway, Ivan Soto Wright is the founder of MoonPay. What they want to do is say, all right, just pay what do you want to use? Your credit card? Great. Here's a simple box. Enter your credit card information. You get the thing that you're looking for. We'll take care of the back end. We're not going to force you to to understand all this and convert to the cult of crypto yet. And it's an amazing business. And I think the part that's even more amazing about it is that the whole thing is bootstrapped. I had no idea. I thought these guys were backed by some real heavy hitters. I thought the Winklevoss twins were behind it in some way. They're not. All right, I invited him here to find out how he did it and where this is going. And frankly, also to also complain a little bit about some of the issues with crypto today and and understand how Ivan sees the solutions coming coming together in the future. And we could do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you need a host uh, website hosted, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. The second, when you're ready to start charging for some of your content, go to memberful.com slash Mixergy. Ivan, good to have you here. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Dude, what's the revenue right now? <laughs> Trying to, we're
1: going right into numbers. No, we're, we're doing well. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it that much. You know, we've done over a billion dollars in transactional volume since inception. So a billion dollars has been spent on debit and credit cards into cryptocurrency, that much I can say.
0: And your percentage is what, like 5% that you charge? And then from that, you have to pay the credit card processing fees, etc.?
1: Yeah, that's kind of how it works. I mean, there's a lot of fees uh, underneath the hood. You know, obviously, you have the fees by using the, like the traditional card networks like Visa and MasterCard. There's nothing we can get around that. Um, we have fees, obviously, when we source the cryptocurrency. Uh, sometimes there's withdrawal fees if we have to source that asset from a particular exchange. Uh, there's network fees. So, there's a lot of different components that basically plug in. And then on top of that, you know, one of the biggest challenges that we have to solve is we're combining a non-final payment method, which is using your debit and credit card or using a, you know, fiat bank transfer or, uh, and, and then, and then combining that with a final payment method, which is delivering cryptocurrency. So that essentially makes it very challenging for us from a fraud perspective, right? So let's say you use your credit card and you say, Hey, I didn't make this transaction. Uh, and you call your bank, you can do something called a chargeback. And I will have delivered the Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever asset that uh, you've purchased, and I can't get that back. Uh,
0: So you obviously we have to price that into the risk that we're taking because we eat. That's what it is. That is possible today. You price it in, but you also mitigate against that risk by doing things like asking me for my driver's license when I sign in.
1: So, so that's part of it. Obviously, you know, the other component is cryptocurrencies regulated in many different parts of the world. There's different uh, regulatory standards that are applied. And so there's something called KYC, which means know your customer. So we have to follow those rules. But I will say, you know, obviously, as part of that, it does make it a little bit safer right, in terms of combating money laundering, in terms of uh, controlling that risk of someone issuing a chargeback because we've collected that information. Number one use is wallets, right? Um, you know, there are a ton of different cryptocurrency wallets and I remember uh, when we started this business, you know, back in 2018, uh, which feels like a, a really long time ago, uh, it's not. Uh, but um, I remember, you know, there was a bunch of wallets that you could download on the app store, um, but they had good functionality for like setting up your private key. They're non-custodial in a lot of cases. You can send and receive uh, money, but there was no way to just buy and top up to these wallets. So, you know, is is exactly as you explained before, where you had to go to an exchange, buy some cryptocurrency, then move it into your wallet. So it was a super cumbersome process. So really, I think the number one use case today is people just want to top up their wallet right there and then so they can use their crypto.
0: What are you seeing as the number one purchase
1: that they're making with that topped up wallet? Right now it's Bitcoin. Right. Um, I think Bitcoin obviously has. Oh, so what
0: they're doing is, no, wait, they're buying Bitcoin. They're coming through MoonPay just to buy Bitcoin. Or what's the end thing that they're trying to buy? In my case, uh, when I used MoonPay, it was because I wanted to buy an NFT. Like I said, it was some gun that was a gift. What's the number one thing you're seeing? So
1: still today, it's Bitcoin, right? People just want to own Bitcoin. That's like the number one thing. They want to hold Bitcoin. So they just want to buy and hold it. And they don't want to necessarily have it on an exchange. They want to have it in their non-custodial wallet where they control the private key. That's the number one use case. Uh, of MoonPay today is they want to you know, own the actual Bitcoin, which is what makes us a little bit different than you know something like you know if you go to Robinhood or you go to you know the cash app. In a lot of cases, like you don't own your Bitcoin, right? We we help you fi- we physically deliver the Bitcoin
0: uh, on chain. So that that's I think the big uh, distinguishing factor. Uh, got it. So what you're seeing is people will get these wallets and all they want to do is just own Bitcoin because they believe the price of Bitcoin is going up. And the way they do it is they buy on their credit card through MoonPay. MoonPay takes the money out of their credit card account and puts converts it into Bitcoin and puts the Bitcoin on their wallet and that's it. Is gone. Yeah, exa-
1: exactly. But not only just credit cards, debit cards, uh, we have bank transfers in different parts okay. of the world. Um, United States, we're very, very soon going to launch uh, US bank transfers, which we're super excited about. Um, but really, our goal is we want to connect every single legacy payment method across the world. So it's hugely ambitious, but you know, every single part of the world, uh, you know, there's different penetration rates based on the the country. You know, Visa and Mastercard isn't necessarily the most popular in every country. Some local countries have local bank transfer methods or e-transfer bank transfer methods, and we want to support all of them uh, on MoonPay.
0: So I, I don't want to well. To me, one of the uses of a, of a service like yours is on BitCloud, where I'm on BitCloud, it's like Twitter, but if I want to chat with someone, if I want to pay them a compliment, I basically have to have the currency, the BitCloud currency. And to get the BitCloud currency, I either send them uh, Bitcoin, which they then convert into BitCloud, which then I get to use to pay to do things like communicate with other people there, or I just want to put a credit card, and if I put a credit card, they'll convert it. They'll take my money, convert it into Bitcoin, then convert that into BitCloud, and then I get to do the thing. But you're seeing that people aren't looking yet to do the thing with the with the cryptocurrency now. It's mostly just holding. Well, I, I think I think that's whole that's definitely
1: what's starting to happen. Um, so we're starting, you know, really for us, it's about this next phase of adoption in cryptocurrency, which is all about utility and this application layer. So, like NFTs, right? You want to have really simple access to, you know, Ethereum so you can interact with a smart contract and you know, essentially get your NFT, or like just what you mentioned there, I think tipping is going to be a huge use case, right? You know, the fact that anyone can just spin up a QR code and get, you know, a micro transaction done over the blockchain is going to be huge. What I would say is the biggest limitation that we have today to really take crypto to the next level Is transaction costs, I really believe, are going to tend to zero, but we're not there yet, right? The problem is, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum today, you know, Bitcoin, you have high network fees, uh, Ethereum, you have gas fees. There's a bunch of different things being done to try to improve the scalability uh, of these blockchains. And you can see, you know, there's already alternative blockchains that can almost do it at at kind of zero, uh, you know, transaction costs. And I think, you know, there's obviously trade offs, right? Uh, In order to, you know, be able to achieve that. But I think Bitcoin, you know, what's great about it, uh, and same with Ethereum, is you can wrap it into other blockchains. So, you know, Bitcoin itself, right, can then live on another blockchain, right? So I think there, you know, there's definitely, uh, you know, a long way we have to go to make that easier for people, because the reality is you don't want to be sending money. If it's, if it's more expensive than the existing system, what's the point, right? Um, and so we have to make yeah. the transaction co- costs go down to zero, and then it's going to be a lot more useful.
0: So you imagine a world where I might have a membership portion of Mixergy, where I charge and want crypto, I might want just Bitcoin, Yep. And you will just bring up that payment, uh, uh, that payment box and people can pay with whatever they have or whatever you accept in their part of the world. So if they're in a part of the world where you accept debit cards, they could pay with the debit card, take US dollars out. I end up with Bitcoin in my account. If they're in a part of the world where they could take money out of their bank account using ACH, you'll do that, convert it into Bitcoin and send that over to me. And that's where you imagine, that's what MoonPay's goal is. Yeah. And what's what's beautiful is, you know, I think we just need to, you
1: know, I look at Visa and MasterCard, we really need to innovate, right? Especially in the in the Western world, like we haven't done a lot to really bring down the cost for consumers when it comes to payments. Like, you know, I think we've been a little bit addicted to our credit cards with all these rewards that we get yes. uh, and we're willing to yeah. put up with the fees, right? But the reality is like, we're moving files around. Why is it so expensive? It doesn't really make sense. In Asia, uh, a lot of people already pay by QR code, which is linked to their bank account. You know I think the next step from there is you pay directly through cryptocurrency. And what's what's amazing is you know, you don't need to have a, a bank account, like you know, crypto, you know, essentially with a public and private key, you can set up a wallet and basically accept money from anyone anywhere in the world, which I think is the the story that often I think gets missed, right? There's billions of people that don't have bank accounts. That so immediately now, as long as they can act, get access to the internet, uh, immediately can go from unbanked to banked, which I think is uh, you know hugely transformative. Is it really a uh, bank if it's a wallet?
0: They're not getting interest if it's a wallet. They're not. They're they're not getting the I, safety no fdic I, 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 i'd
1: argue i'd argue it's a next generation bank account for sure um, you know a bank account that you can control and you know you can still get interest right there's going to be all these applications built on top of your cryptocurrency wallet that are going to be just like a bank uh, if not better right but we're still early days right so i'm not saying
0: it's uh, going to be know, easier get, you know, get rid to create of your bank a bank account, account? tomorrow the, the part that frustrates me is maybe i'm impatient uh, but it of feels course it like it feels impa- I'm patient. Here's why, because it feels <laughs> like this this technology's been out there for a decade now, right? Bitcoin's about a decade old. About. Yep. Okay, so about a decade like it, old. Yep. Yeah. So we're looking at technologies over have, a decade. Yep. Sorry, the connection I could see is uh, is just going a little bit weird on us. Oh, I see why. Let me let me shut this down. So, it's it's just it's still full of delays in sending and receiving money. It's still full of fees. It's still just so clunky and it's, it's just frustrating. Isn't it as somebody who's in space? I mean,
1: I think it it comes down to solving the, yeah, 100%. I mean, it comes down to solving that problem that I mentioned earlier, right? It's just got to be fast and it's got to basically the transaction costs have to come down, right? Um, but I'm, I'm very confident we're going to get there. Uh, and the thing is, it's not like your your debit and credit card or your bank account are going to disappear. You know, the analogy that I use um, that I think, you know, it makes it makes it come to life a little bit more is think about telecoms, right? Uh, right now we're on this Zoom meeting. Uh, we're using voice over the internet protocol right so we're using the internet technology which dramatically reduced the cost for you remember how, how expensive long distance phone calls was you know that that you know and that what's interesting is like your phone number hasn't disappeared your phone you know AT&T and all the you know existing networks haven't disappeared it's taking a long time but over time we opt into the system that is more efficient and i think the same thing is going to happen with cryptocurrency but right now you know it's not more efficient right so that's why we're seeing uh, all this friction but i'm confident we're going to get there. It's just going to take, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, five, 10 years until we really start to see kind of more, but it, but it's starting to pick up, you know, that's the good news. And I think it's also becoming culturally, culturally relevant in a way that it wasn't in the past. I think NFTs are a big part of that as well, which is really exciting.
0: So you imagine five, 10 years from now, if I want to send you money, it's not going to cost, the fee is going to be minor, insignificant, much right. less than credit cards. It'll happen instantly. I'm not going to have to wait. Yep. And it could be directly in your wallet. You don't have to put it in a bank account and and you can and, hold me to that. That's what that's the future I'm trying to build. <laughs> and and then if you want to buy Mixergy Premium with that wallet, you can take out just the right amount through Moonpay and Moonpay will send it to Andrew. and that's that's the world that you see. And if you want to uh, start earning interest on it, there'll be ways to do it there too. And that's the exactly. world that you envision. That's the world that you're going to become a part of. And I, I I, agree with you. It's got to go there. It's just so frustrating that it's not there considering how many smart people are on it and how how directly connected it is to finance. You imagine the things that are far away from finance where there isn't a the financial incentive to improve. Well, fine. You can imagine that they could be stuck and go and or just slow with their progress with cryptocurrency, yeah. with, with money, I would have thought it would be faster.
1: It takes time. And, and, you know, you have, uh, you know, also, you know, regulation hasn't necessarily been making it easier, right? There isn't clarity on regulation in many different parts of the world. Um, you had a lot of mainstream media, you know, really putting a lot of negative spin and news around cryptocurrencies and money laundering. Although, you know, if you look at the raw numbers, like under 1% uh, of transactions are illicit. And the reality is like, if you're trying to launder money, you know, launder money through crypto, you're an idiot in my opinion, because uh, there's uh, digital breadcrumbs that can be traced. So it actually is way safer. So a lot of it has been having to combat kind of a a negative media portrayal. You know, when I started, you know, people thought I was crazy. Like, you know, what you're doing, this Bitcoin crypto stuff, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I came from a, I guess, more buttoned up career in my past. I, I used to do portfolio, Construction for big pension funds, insurance companies—you know, moving billions of dollars around and, and making uh, very interesting strategic asset allocation decisions, and you know, hedging out risks—and then you know, moving into crypto. People are like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you're throwing away. Like, you could have done well there. Like, what, what are you thinking? Uh, and so, you know, and, and I remember when I first started, you know, even to become a merchant to accept debit and credit cards into crypto, I had a spreadsheet. And uh, I literally remember calling all of these acquirers, right? And these acquirers ultimately the ones that approve merchants to basically be on Visa and MasterCard. I had something like 80 rejections. Like I literally was calling up every single day. Uh, I had a client that wanted to work with us, it was bitcoin.com, a huge client. And it was just impossible to get, you know, a first relationship up and running. Eventually we got one yes. And that one yes was our saving grace to basically turn on the business. And, you know, the reality is we had to turn it on first in Europe because in the United States, it was just extremely hard. Like even getting bank accounts uh, for crypto, I mean, now it's getting a little bit better, but even getting, you know, getting bank accounts related to cryptocurrency, I mean, you would get shut down uh, in a lot of cases. Banks just didn't want to take on the risk. They didn't understand it. It was too complex. Uh, but my, that was kind of the reason why I saw this as such a huge opportunity because I felt that in the long term banks would change their tune. And that's exactly what you're seeing now. Uh, something that was con, kind of considered uh, sketchy or, you know, I'd say like red or Amber on kind of like the traffic light, uh, is now turning green. You know, I think more and more, uh, you know, banks and financial institutions are waking up and realizing, shit, this is the future of finance. Uh, we need to, you know, either innovate or die. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, it's, changed quite a bit, but, you know, I think all of these things are, you know, contributing factors to why it's been a little bit slow. Um, but I'm, I'm confident that we're eventually going to get there.
0: I'm too. And MoonPay is so well positioned for it. You started to mention your background. Let's understand how you uh, You ended up here. You were doing what for pensions and why, did you, <laughs> why were you doing it for what looks like three years?
1: Yeah. So, so kind of crazy story there. Like if I you asked me when I grew up and said, oh, I was going to work in pensions, like that would probably be the last thing I would have ever said. Pensions just sounds boring, right? When you say the word pensions, I don't know, there's just like, just something like in your mind, you probably just don't think it, it's definitely not like a sexy part of finance. Uh, you know, ultimately uh, I'd spent a year at Oxford. I was super lucky. I was a, I was a rower in college. And so part of my dream was to uh, you know participate in, in kind of rowing in, in England and in Oxford. So that was super cool. So I spent a year there and uh, I met this incredible entrepreneur this guy named Robert Gardner who had started a firm called Reddington and uh, pretty much I just got excited by his energy and you know had an opportunity to go work for him in London uh, so that's I kind of jumped on that you know not many uh, Americans you know immediately get their first job in London right out of college and so um, that was like a, a huge opportunity I couldn't say no to and it was more just from, from my side even from when I started I, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur but I just felt that it was a very really interesting place to learn, you know, ultimately pensions are the whales. Uh, In our financial system, right? You know, these are billions of dollars uh, that we need to protect. And obviously, there's a, you know, post the financial crisis of 08, a lot of these pension funds were in bad shape. And so, really, our job, it was a company called Reddington, was to help, you know, get these pension funds back on track. And we were doing something called liability driven investing. And so, what that meant was we would hedge out the biggest risks on the liability side of the balance sheet, so namely interest rates and inflation. So, we take care of those risks and then we would focus on the strategic asset allocation. And that was kind of novel at the time. And now that's kind of like the facto way that how pension funds that? Are, are doing it. How so, do you how protect do you, how, against inflation risk? And,
0: and what was the other one? Uh, interest, interest rates rate and inflation,
1: because that's what's kind of governing your liabilities over time. If, like If you're having to forecast your liabilities, you're going to be forecasting that based off inflation and, and based funds, on the interest rate.
0: Pension funds liabilities are what? They borrow money to Make the they have to pay the
1: pension, they have to pay the pensioners. Same with like an insurance company has to play okay. pay their claims, it's like they have to pay these pensioner, pensioners. And what's interesting is, you know, obviously, this has shifted like the whole landscape, right? Defined benefit like people would have this golden egg when they were retired, uh, their employer would contribute into it, and then what happened was these Employers had these schemes that they wanted to close, right? Because it became unsustainable. Um, you know, and essentially, they some of these pension funds were underwater, like they had too many pensioners that they needed to pay, not enough assets. So, basically, it's this game of trying to match your assets to your liabilities so you can pay out those pensioners. So, a lot of them are underwater after the 08 financial crisis, right? Because their assets right. side of their balance sheet got hit. So, really, what we've tried to do is let's control the risks on the liability side of your balance sheet. So, hedging out interest rates and inflation, we do that with derivatives. So a lot of the people I work with are kind of ex-investment banker type folks that, you know, we're working in structured products and fixed income, which is, you know, I think what was really cool about that was this was like hardcore technical nerdy finance, which probably not like the, like definitely my brain isn't necessarily geared towards that direction. So it was definitely a challenge for me, but it was just an incredible place to learn. I, you know, I call, I call it like my MBA on steroids, Uh, And also, I think the way, you know, why it was important was it helped form my view on the asset universe, like how all these different assets kind of fit together. And I saw cryptocurrency as one bucket within that portfolio in terms of the alternatives bucket. And so I always saw Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general, having a ton of long-term potential, because if you look at it, right, Bitcoin, you know, under $1 trillion, right. in 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 terms of total market cap, Gold at ten trillion, right? Uh, and so, you know, it's so small in the grand scheme of the asset universe. And if you think that it's an uncorrelated diversifier to your portfolio, right? And you know, it, part of you know the portfolio management theory is right—you want to diversify uh, and reduce your risk. Um, it made sense that over time, as the asset class became more established, more institutional investors would want in. So, from that view, you know, I, I knew that there was going to be something here. I think. Did you buy Bitcoin at that point? Yeah. So I bought my first Bitcoin back in college. Um, one of my friends wrote his thesis on Bitcoin, uh, and that's what convinced me to buy it uh, for the first time. Uh, you know, I kind of didn't pay attention to it uh, really again until kind of 2017 is where it was staring me in the face again. You know, actually, after, after I was in uh, you know, that portfolio construction gig at Reddington, I, I quit my job to start my first startup. Uh, in 2015, which was trying to solve savings. So, you know, rather than you know, label it as pensions, I want to take all my knowledge and help people save their money, then invest their money. Uh, that was a, an interesting uh, journey for
0: me. It didn't work savable. out so well.
1: It's called savable. Savable.
0: The idea was, if I understand, yeah. people are are spending at a consistent level, somewhat consistently. You say, let's right. take the money that they're not that they're not spending month to month, and put that into a savings account for them.
1: Exactly. So, you know, our animal brain just wants to spend all the time. Uh, And if you look at Western economies like the United States, uh, we have a negative 2% savings rate, meaning that we spend uh, more than we save. Compare that to Asia, where it's pretty much ingrained, where people put one third of their income directly into a savings account and invest it. You know, we don't have that mindset or mentality at all. So, the, you know, how do you combat that? The only way that you can overcome the chimp brain is you put an artificially intelligent robot to make those decisions for you, and that's essentially what we built. Smart. Uh, so, so basically connected to your bank account. The problem was, you know, we started this in Europe in the UK. And open banking wasn't ready. It was a really cool technology that I thought made a lot of sense. Like you connect your bank account, but people were sketched out in the same way that people are sketched out using their credit card. Like, wait, I'm going to give this random service that I've never heard of access to my bank account so it can read my transaction history and then move money around. Uh, no, thanks. <laughs> so yeah, I think I learned that the hard way, uh, you know, and it wasn't. And, and that's what I think is so interesting about cryptocurrency is it's like, it's, it's compelling. It's exciting. It's culturally relevant. It's making people engage in their, with their finances in a way that never happened before. Like, you know, moving people into a savings product is kind of like flossing your teeth. It's like, you need to do that. Right. But it's like, it's not like crypto is exciting. And I think that's so good because people are now getting financial education in some way. Like they're going to make some mistakes. They're going to invest in stupid stuff. Uh, they're going to invest in meme coins and shit coins. And, you know, the reality is part of that, you know, we need to do our job, uh, in terms of a fiduciary to make sure that people are doing their own research and uh, diligencing what they're buying. But you know, at the end of the day, um, people making these mistakes in the long term, it's going to make them more aware, uh, I think. And, and part of that is, um, you know, I think, going to be hugely uh, democratizing for the world of, of, of uh, individuals getting uh, you know, participating in finance. So you know, that's what, what's so exciting to me about crypto.
0: Okay, and so when you did this, why didn't, it didn't work because you didn't get customers or it didn't work because you weren't able to, no, you, you established the bank relationships. You got regulatory approval, right? You just yep. weren't able to get enough customers to say, great, I'll connect my bank. You exactly. look at my finances <laughs> and then you put the money out. Okay, you sold to a company called Plume. Plum. Plum, plum, excuse me. So like um, Plum like the fruit. <laughs> right. You know what? I keep saying Plume and I search for Plume. It's because my Wi-Fi router is Plume. And so, oh yeah, I know Plume. <laughs> uh, they're pretty good. So you sold to to Plum. Yeah. Why Why are they able to do it? I'm on their site right now. It says the AI assistant that grows your money. They're they're essentially doing the same thing, right?
1: Yeah, they were just better.
0: <laughs> they, they executed why? better than me. Uh,
1: well, you know, it was my first startup, right? Um, you know, so I think you make a lot of mistakes. What's a mistake uh, that you made? Yeah, I think I think the reality was, um, you know, we focused too much on the regulatory side of getting our regulatory approval versus building the very best product, right? And I think the product experience, like you know, they, you know, Plum did a really good job originally was, you know, everything comes down to distribution, right? That's the hardest thing to solve for when you're building a, building a new company is getting distribution, getting those customers on your platform. You can build the the coolest mousetrap ever, the coolest gizmo, but no one is going to care unless you can get them to people and people actually want to use that. Right. And so what was cool about Plum where they started was their hook was, we're going to be the very first Facebook bot for your finances. And some people don't like Facebook bots for their finances, but some people do. And so they had a very niche audience, which they were able to uh, do a, a very good job for those people. And then they grew organically. And now they have an app. Um, and what did their the bot leader- do? Uh, So the bot just, it was very similar to, uh, very similar to savable. just connected to your bank account and then would sweep money into a savings account. So very similar business. Um, They just essentially executed us. And, you know, I always respected, I had a good relationship with the uh, founder and CEO there. And I said, look, I'm waving the white flag. Uh, you know, you need our regulatory licenses. So why don't you buy savable so you can uh, skip the, the pain that, that I went through 13 months at the financial Conduct authority so I could hold client money and move money into securities. So uh, that's what happened. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a win for me. You know, uh, it was more just, you know, trying to do right by uh, the people that trusted me into this first company. Um, and so, you know, basically get the
0: investors their money back.
1: Get, get the investors their money back. You know, unfortunately, they got they got equity in in Plum, but you know, unfortunately, they you know they didn't win. Uh, Long term, I want to make sure they do win. Uh, and so, basically, it was a really tough thing as an entrepreneur. Like, you just want to win, right? Uh, and so, in in 2017, I was kind of like back at the drawing board. You know, pretty much broke, other than the fact that I invested in crypto. So How much money was- do you have in crypto? I didn't have a ton, you know, I had, you know, okay. I had probably, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars tops, okay. right? Uh, Enough you know, to not, live
0: and not sweat. Where am I going to? Do I have to get a job right away? Am I going to be yeah, on the street? It,
1: it, exactly. You know, and, and, and for me it was, um, you know, I think, I think that was just like super Uh, Yeah, I I guess it was kind of like, what's working well in my life right now? And it it turns out to be crypto. So maybe I should focus my energy there. And then that's where I started to really research and kind of look at, you know, what did the ecosystem look like? You know, where could you buy Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? Coinbase was the leader uh, at the time. And I just thought, you know, first it was actually, I almost made the same mistake as my first startup. I actually was starting to build a wallet. And then I realized that I was going to have the same problem acquiring customers. And uh, what ended up happening was someone decided to share the wallet that we built uh, with the owner of Bitcoin.com. Uh, he shoots Roger me an email. Roger Ver, she yeah. me an email says, Hey, I've been heard about, uh, you know, what you've built here. Uh, would love to see if there's a way to work together. And that essentially turned into me flying out to Tokyo and recognizing that there was this huge opportunity. Um, you know, at the time it cost 10%. So there was already someone doing something similar to moon pay. They were charging 10% on
0: each credit card but transaction let me pause for a second. I'm, at the, this is still at the wallet phase that he liked it. This is the wallet phase. This and then was he just, my, he liked the, why did he like the wallet? It's, it seems like there were enough wallets well, out okay. there.
1: Well, so because because what we did was it was actually funny with the wallet. We had had basically connected to. We were using Stripe, um, and Stripe at the time it was against their terms and conditions to enable transactions into cryptocurrency. So you're not allowed to use Stripe, but it was a really slick demo. So the demo was like face ID into Bitcoin, and no one had ever done that before uh, inside of a wallet. So I mean, that from got
0: PayPal. I mean, sorry, not PayPal. From um, Apple Pay using face ID to confirm it, taking money out of the credit card account, converting it into Bitcoin and putting it into the MoonPay wallet. And Uh, and it
1: wasn't the MoonPay wallet at the time, but it was just a wallet that we had built. Right. And so that, that was it. And that was, how did he see it? uh, Well, someone, I was at a party and uh, someone decided, you know, downloaded our test flight so he could take a look at the demo that we had and then shared it with him like the following week. And then I got an email uh, and so that's where kind of the light bulb went on my head, which was what, what was cool there wasn't the fact that we really built a wallet. What was cool was your topping up, that topping up functionality to wallets, which is now the most popular feature and kind of uh, reason why uh, MoonPay has thrived, right? And so we then said, okay, well, why don't we build an API from scratch for, for Bitcoin.com so they can accept debit and credit cards and really try to solve conversion? Because the solution that they had before was just a little bit clunky. So I said, let's make this like a nice, beautiful because experience. what roger
0: wanted was anyone who bought bitcoin on bitcoin.com to just be able to have that smooth experience put a credit card in get the bitcoin and not have to pay a huge fee in order to do that that's what he, all right exactly so let me take a pause let me take a pause here and talk about my sponsor it's hostgator if let me ask you this Ivan, in fact if you were starting today let's in fact since you're so far ahead of other people your age, let's go back to when you were in high school, when you were still admiring Richard Branson, when you were still <laughs> like in the world of going to be simple bootstrap entrepreneur. And Andrew Warner walks into your life and says, ta-da, I'm giving you a HostGator account. You can host any type of website. We're not going to do heavy coding. We're not going to change cryptocurrency, but you got a site, come up with an idea kind of like, um, what was that called? Junior Achievement used to say, create something from this. What would you create if that happened to you? Today.
1: Uh, well, and, and okay, so funny in, in high school. So, yeah, junior achievement, you mentioned that. So, junior achievement, I think, is an awesome. Uh, initiative essentially it teaches kids to run businesses uh, at early. It's one so, of
0: the, it's one of the best parts of high school for me. I
1: loved it. Oh, it, it taught me so much. Um, so I was the president of my junior achievement class. Uh, wow. yeah I remember you know basically commuting out to MIT, which was a really cool backdrop uh, in high school to basically be building a business. and the business that we had was called of Pockets. And of pockets, the idea was Boston was freezing cold and uh, especially in the winter time. And your hands would get cold, like really cold. And so, what we did was, we would go, we went on Amazon uh, and bought hand warmers uh, in bulk. And then we also bought gloves, like really cheap, you know, the, the cheapest gloves that you can possibly find. We combined them together, we put them in a Ziploc bag. We had a little logo that said heat pockets on them. And then we would sell them at football games. And it was a hit, like everyone wanted them at the football games. And uh, so I think we were the highest grossing junior achievement chapter that year. So you know, it, it was kind of also a lesson in terms of if you bundle things together, you can charge a premium, uh, which is some of the lesson that I've taken forward, obviously in MoonPay and my future businesses is bundling, right? Bundling products and bringing that convenience, you know, you, it makes, you know, enables you to have a, a premium because people don't want to have to find all those components themselves. Uh,
0: I wonder what a how I would even find a bundle that needed to happen. You know, Noah Kagan just uh, talked about how, if you need to find love an Noah idea, Kagan, by the way, You know guy. him. I feel like everyone freaking uh, knows Noah
1: well he, well, he reached out to me uh, about loving MinPay and I was like, well, oh, awesome guy. I was like, I was like, in, I was I was like kind of like, wow, I can't believe that he's
0: using it, uh, which was super cool. So. Um, yeah, and that, uh, I don't know how he has the patience to do that. I, I said, <laughs> I'm struggling to buy this NFT. He goes, let's get on Zoom. He gets on Zoom with me and he walks me through buying an NFT. All right. So one of the things that he said was he said, go to the Reddit DI, do it yourself, DIY section. See what people are doing themselves and showing off and look in the comments to see if there's someone who says, I want to buy that and do that. All right. So maybe you take one of those ideas and you and you start selling it on your site. Or here's another interesting place to get started. Just start putting out some of these best bundles, best DIY projects that you see on your site, see what people are getting excited about. And maybe those are the ones that you start to sell. Whatever your idea is, if you're listening to me and you need a website, go to hostgator.com/slash mixergy and you'll be able to host a website quickly, inexpensively, and reliably. And they're just a phenomenal company to work with. Hostgator.com slash You like that idea?
1: Yeah, well, no, I love it that, you know, people that have side hustles or ideas, right? I think it's just you can pursue it way more easily today than you could uh years ago, right? Like building a website was a pain, right, in the past. So it's just becoming so much easier now.
0: And it used to be such a distraction to have a side hustle. What I'm discovering now is I used to be super focused. Now I'm discovering I should give myself time to do things that have that are stupid side hustles that it's not about the money, it's not about the time, it's not about the result. It's just what are you gonna learn in the process? All right. Um, let's come back to this. So now Roger Ver says, I love this. I want it on Bitcoin, on Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin.com. Yep. You then say, okay, I'm not going to force people to use my wallet. What you want is the payment experience. They bring a credit card. They end up with Bitcoin. Is it Bitcoin or did he want Bitcoin cash or both? Uh,
1: he wanted both. He wanted both, uh, both okay. Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash. And so we supported both. And okay. so- Yeah, it was an incredible first client to have, right? Um, You really couldn't ask for a better client in the sense that, you know, it already had incredible distribution, incredible reach. Um, You know, we had to convince them, obviously they didn't want to turn on and it was actually, you know, to our advantage. Like they didn't want to turn us on in all countries immediately and we weren't ready. Um, So we just started with the UK initially, UK and Europe, and then, you know, eventually moved into more countries and that enabled us to constantly iterate on the experience and just make it a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And that's kind of, one of the biggest mindsets that we have as a business is, uh, we use the word Kaizen, uh, which means uh, change for the better, uh, or continuous, pr- continuous improvement. And, you know, if you think about it, if you improve 1% every single day, uh, over the course of a year, you get 37 times better, um, over by the, by the course of the end of that year. And so the compounding effects, you're not even taking compounding getting- into account if you're doing 37 times, right? Uh, well, no, you're taking comment. That, that's you the are, math, okay. right? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so that's what, it's like so th- 37 times better is also 3,700%. So you can take 1% every single day and then it's 3,700% uh, okay. improvement okay. over a year. Okay. So I want to
0: understand the improvement. And that's one of the things that before we got started, I said I had this issue and a lot of people would feel so uptight. You actually freaking smiled. I've got it. I think I've got it on, on video because I look at people's faces when I talk to them and I said, I'm going to tell them about a problem that I had with MoonPay. Let's see if there's going to be a fraud issue, it turns them off or it's not. And you had this smile of almost like of happiness. It's weird. Um, but coming back to that initial thing, you then said, I need a credit card processor to let me process credit cards. And so you started calling up and down the list that you put together. One company said yes, but it's not as easy as take credit card and then offer offer Bitcoin or Bitcoin cash or any other crypto. What are some of the issues? What are some of the things that you had to promise them that you would do in order to, to process credit cards?
1: Right. So there, I, th- I think there are three pillars to kind of unbundle what's happening. So if we unbundle all the different components of MinPay, let me just go through them really quickly. Uh, the first one's identity. Um, so obviously, Um, You know, based on the different geographic region, there's different restrictions and requirements that we need to fill for uh, onboarding those customers through the KYC process. And so, uh, depends on your customer. You're saying your customer. So
0: it's not like you're taking you're processing credit cards to sell me uh, coffee mugs, where you don't need any information about me. You're selling me an asset. Is that what it is? Yes, we're selling financial. We're selling a financial instrument to some extent, right? So.
1: You know that that's the reason why and different you know different countries have different policies around how they want to regulate this and okay. part of it is they want to combat money laundering so that's why it exists and so we use different vendors in different regions you know we basically will scan your passport we'll scan your driver's license and make sure that it's valid uh-huh. um but you know really just depends it's a risk-based approach that we have to take on board and different countries have different requirements so that's one key challenge that we solve is that onboarding okay. process right The second piece that we solve is the payments experience, And so, you know, really our vision is connecting every single payment method across every single geography, as I mentioned before. Um, And so, and part of that as well is when we're uh, doing that, we want to cover off that risk of fraud, right? So we have to basically use as much intelligence as possible to determine whether we accept or reject a transaction. And then if there is a transaction that does do a chargeback, making sure that we have the evidence to dispute and win uh, those chargeback cases, right? So that's the second piece of what we do. The third piece of what we do is the crypto asset delivery. So, you know, we're crypto native. We will go source this liquidity from, you know, one of the top uh, exchange venues. Uh, We'll buy that cryptocurrency and then we'll bring the convenience of it directly to the end customer and we'll deliver it to them. So we're combining all those steps in one uh, when you're making a purchase on InPay. And you built this
0: all by yourself, the first version?
1: Uh, I had a co founder, an amazing co founder. His name is Victor Faramond. Uh, he was my co founder and CTO, an uh, incredibly gifted software engineer. Uh, spent, uh, you know, I basically found him on a website. Uh, I found on a website called talent.io, uh, so the <laughs> most ironic, uh, I guess, name, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like a, um, it's a service where they, they basically find software engineers that are looking for work. And he had just, he was actually the featured candidate of the week. I remember getting this email, uh, from talent.io and, uh, it said, Oh, Victor Fairmont, he's just, uh, spent, uh, in, he had an internship in Apple, uh, he was working in, in Apple in Silicon Valley and he's moving back to France. And know, uh, yeah, he was like the top candidate of the week. So a lot of people were trying to uh, convince Victor. I don't know how I managed to convince him, but uh, he joined my first startup, Savable, as a software engineer. And then I found that he's just one of the most talented people that I'd worked with in the past, you know, ever uh, in terms of uh, software engineers. And so uh, he became uh, my co-founder and CTO on Mumpe. We both had this passion for crypto. Uh, so he was kind of the chief technical architect of the first solution um you know for me i'm i'm definitely more of the problem solver side of the the equation right um you know i, I think everything that we try to do at moonpay is just really around solving problems right and you know th- i think that's what gets me excited uh and and for me it was just clearly a problem it was hard to uh buy cryptocurrency on bitcoin.com or any of these other venues or wallets and you know there was just such a big opportunity for us to uh, solve that problem
0: by the way, he's not listing um what is savable on his LinkedIn profile. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, he was there. He was there for a very short period of time before we moved and pivoted, like you know, okay. uh, into uh, MoonPay. And yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> all right, M- so, MoonPay
1: is a story we should be celebrating.
0: <laughs> but he built he built the whole thing, the whole first version on his yeah, own.
1: He built built the whole thing first from scratch. Really impressive. We had a team of five people up until the pandemic, and then we basically went from five people to now we're almost a hundred. Um so wow. we grew the team 20 fold and so this business story has really taken off during the period of the pandemic. Uh, which is pretty crazy um you know and, and at one point you know i was staying up you know all night you know and, and you know, when you're telling me about those those issues before it's because i love hearing from customers i love hearing the pain points i love thinking about how we're going to make the the product experience better uh, and the only way you can learn is having that really good feedback loop with uh customers so i actually think doing customer support was super humbling like i spent hours and hours uh responding to tickets uh you know a lot of my team can probably remember uh i was in there in the front line uh, responding to tickets. Uh, I wasn't as fast as some of my team now, My some of my team are absolute wizards if they uh, need to respond quickly. Uh, cause obviously, yeah, we're, we're moving, you know, there, there's millions of transactions that have happened on MinPay. So, you know, part of it is a mixture of automation, right? You have to use smart automation to help customers have a good experience, but then obviously the personal touch when things go wrong. Right. So, so it's the, a, it's a combination the, of both.
0: The, the issue that I had was I, I have an account, I think where I, where i I bought Bitcoin in the past on on MoonPay, but I said, I'm gonna start from scratch. I wanna see how easy it is because I'm about to talk to Ivan. Let's do it a few minutes before the, the uh, well actually before previous meeting earlier today. And I was asked for my email address and you confirm my email address before. So first of all, it's just a simple payment page. I love the design. You guys nailed the simplicity of the design. My eye doesn't wander. No ADD, fully focused, fully clear, very trustworthy. And I don't know, I don't know why, but I felt trust. So then you ask for my email address. I go, oh man, now my email address first. If I put my email address, you say, go confirm the code that we gave you because we need to confirm the email address. That for some reason takes a while, even though I'm using Gmail I lost the connection there to you for some reason. Hmm. That code sent back again to me. That was fine. Then I had to put in my address. Thankfully, that was um, already preloaded into my iPad so I could just hit a button and have a go. But then I thought, all right, now we're looking at a real process here where I have to put a lot of information. Let's see what comes next. And then you asked for the for my driver's license. And I don't have it on me because lately I don't need to have any cards with me. When I go out, everyone takes it. It's it's, it's
1: super liberating not to carry your card, right? So Uh. liberating. And I used to have it in
0: Evernote, my, my, uh, driver's license for situations where I, I needed to send it over. I just didn't have it. And that's where I was stopped. And what you're saying to me is Andrew, we could save a lot of, we could solve a lot of problems. That's one we can't solve because we need to identify you. Am I right? Yes. So that, that's, you know, unfortunately that's the
1: KYC piece that I mentioned before, right. So in the United States um, for all customers that are required to provide um, their identity documents um, you know, it's, 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 it's tough, right. Because, you know, we'd love for it to be just like a, uh, a very simple, easy like e-commerce transaction, right? But you know, just today, the nature of where it is in the United States and in different parts of the world, um, it's becoming more regulated. Um, so you know, there's there's always that friction between, you know, trying to optimize for conversion, right? Because obviously less screens, less fields, less information, uh, you're gonna complete the purchase. You know, that's just, you know, simple math, right? Um and so, you know, between that and also
0: making sure that we're compliant
1: with the local laws and regulation.
0: Okay. And so when you said that you started evolving, I love the word Kaizen. People used to like study it years ago, back when they loved the Toyota (laughs) way and when they admired the Japanese way, and then it just disappeared, like nobody cares about it. What, what, what are the improvements that you made early on? And what's the process that you went about to improve? Yeah. I think, I think it was just the,
1: you know, the product experience, even today, I mean, there's still so much improvements that we need to have out of it. And we have, you know, we're constantly studying how do we make the user experience even better? Um, You know, I mean, the product has uh, evolved a lot, right. More payment methods, more complexity, um, you know, in terms of being able to cover, uh, you know, different Uh, you know, all these different payment methods, as well as, you know, trying to make it more clear to customers uh, based on certain circumstances. For example, like if you put a large amount in, we'll give you a scam warning, right? So at least you can uh, know, okay, am am I, you know, have I done everything correctly? You know, doing a little check mark when you put in a wallet address that we recognize. Um, So all these little touches, right? Um, So there are things you don't necessarily even think about. um, And that's just born from, you know, doing a lot of, uh, focus groups and speaking to customers, right. And just getting a sense of what would they like to see, uh, improve. So we're just constantly just listening to that feedback. You do focus there. groups. We do focus groups. Yeah. We've emailed, we, we've emailed customers and said, Hey, would you be open to a, a short uh, telephone interview? And we reward those guys, uh, one-on-one one on one or you getting uh, so we have we, our product managers will host them and they will do, uh, sessions one-on-one, uh, do calls and basically take notes, mm-hmm. uh, which is, which has been really cool. Right. What's um, the process that they go through with it? Uh, what, what, like in terms of Um, asking someone to do it, is it just
0: because it's, it's, I was thinking, do I show Ivan my screen? I thought, (laughs) well, there's something kind of weird about that. I think I could trust Ivan, but am I being stupid for doing it? Um, yeah, we'll never, we'll never weird. ask you. We'll never, you know,
1: for, for the purposes of this call, we will never ask you for personal or sensitive information. So but if so you ever How, hear do you, how can you
0: watch? Yeah, no, no. Right. Let's be yeah. clear. If anyone says I'm for MoonPay and I'm doing yeah. some kind of Yeah, no. exactly. I want, search, want everyone
1: here that's listening to know not, that. Like, do not, yeah. So yeah, how, please, how do you do but,
0: it? I feel like for, for many products, you can say, share your screen, even share your iPhone screen, and I will watch you and we'll learn. Can you do that with MoonPay? Can you find well, someone We're not, we're not, yeah,
1: we're not doing like screen sharing or anything like that. We're just typically asking we're just asking questions just behavioral questions what do you think about it what what, what don't you like what do you like okay. uh, and and so it's more more kind of like qualitative stuff that we're picking up right um you know when we're listening to those like what why do you use Mimpe, all that stuff right so i think that that's been really interesting um from us to, to learn um and and kind of translate that into a great product experience
0: Okay. And so before what you discovered was you needed to think about distribution, right? With your previous business. How do you get the most customers? You're about to create a wallet, which would have had a distribution issue. It's a solvable right. issue, but it's, it's an issue. You instead said, no, we're now MoonPay. We are going to be kind of like Stripe, the payment system for anything that's crypto. You now have distribution through these sites, right? Is, it, is that the large part of how you do it? Yeah. So, I mean,
1: I think for us, it's like trying to identify where do people have the intention where they're going to want to acquire cryptocurrency. So a good example is OpenSea, right? Uh, people there want to acquire an NFT. They need Ethereum. They don't want to have to go to Coinbase and basically buy their Ethereum, then move it into their wallet, and then interact with the smart contract. They want it right there and then. Uh, so that's one you know area that MoonPay should be right. Another one is you're going to Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin.com. Obviously, if you search Bitcoin, uh, one of the very first websites that's going to come as come up is Bitcoin.com. The other one's Bitcoin.org, which we also work with. And uh, in both of those scenarios, people that are going there are learning about Bitcoin, but then probably have the intention to purchase. So it makes sense rather than them directing that traffic to an exchange and then creating friction for the customer right there. And then they can embed MoonPay and that customer can check out and get Bitcoin right there. So and that's what I see on it- their
0: homepage. Now, if I'm on Bitcoin.com, there's, yep. there's a way for me to buy or sell crypto. That's you powering it. Yes, exactly. Ah, Okay. So, Um, so,
1: and then, and then obviously the other big area is all these wallets that I mentioned before. So if you search buy crypto on your phone, right. In the same way that you're thinking about SEO on web, like you search buy crypto on your phone, there's obviously SEO within the app store. And, you know, I think we power five of the top 10 biggest wallets today. Um, so those wallets use MoonPay's infrastructure so they can top up the wallet, uh, immediately in in real time.
0: And so what else you hired a former, uh, CEO, of uh, Coinbase, right? The yep. UK guy, the guy who ran their UK operation? So he ran their international
1: operation, uh, okay. mainly focused in UK and Ireland, uh, but he had experience uh, all over, all of Coinbase's work internationally. Uh, Zeeshan Faraz, he's an awesome guy. Uh, he has a really good payments background. And you know, I think we both had kind of similar visions for kind of where crypto is going next and about this kind of utility phase for the crypto economy and,
0: and he's how important your growth it guy.
1: So he's our chief growth officer. Um, You know, he first was an advisor to me, uh, and then we found that we got on really well together, uh, and you know, asked him to come in full time. And he's really helping us grow the business in a sustainable way. Think about all the different opportunities uh, that we have strategically that we want to execute on uh, over this year and over the next couple of years. But you know, we're starting to become you know, you know, it's definitely going from that kind Of baby phase, we kind of almost skipped like the awkward teenager phase, and now all of a sudden, like we're an adult. Uh, and so, having more adults in the room that have been through hyper growth before, I knew that was going to be super invaluable. And when I think about like most of my time today, it's all about people, right? Everything here, the way I think about MoonPay is we're, we're trying to be like a Formula One Ferrari sports team. Uh, we want to work, uh, you know, as efficiently as possible as a team. It's all about teamwork. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people talk about culture uh, and these things, and they can sound Soft, but I think in my in, in my view, it's really important that we get that right. I really think we can do a lot with you know fewer staff in a lot of cases, and so um, we're trying to be you know and be, part of it. I think was just that bootstrap mentality, right? When it's your own money, um, you just have a different mindset. Uh, then when you're given a ton of money and then, you know, I think a lot of companies, the big mistake is to scale too fast. And then when you scale too fast, you can lose your culture. And so we've tried to be really pragmatic around thinking, thinking about our growth and, um, you know, the, the people that we bring into the business. All
0: right. Uh, I'm going to talk about my second sponsor and then I'm going to ask a couple of close questions to close it out. My second sponsor is memberful. Anyone who's, selling con- anyone who's creating content, Ivan, online should be thinking about, how do, how do I sell it? And more and more, we're seeing platforms are enabling that, like Substack. I don't think Memberful loves that I can compare them to Substack, but I will, because Substack created this whole environment where you feel like if you want to sell your email newsletters, they're the only game in town. But you know what? You could do it on other platforms. Own your relationship with your customer, not pay a lot of money for credit card processing, and Memberful allows you to do that and go beyond. You could you could do, Ivan, imagine you do a podcast. You do a podcast you offer episodes for free, and then you charge for some exclusive content, and Memberful will allow you to do that. Or if you do a community where you're do- you're not going to do any of these, you got to focus on MoonPay. Do not take your eye off this ball. <laughs> but someone who's listening to us might decide, I'm going to create a community. Well, you want to charge for membership into this community so you can have a good group of people and actually earn enough money to manage it? Memberful will allow you to do it. Go to Memberful.com slash Mixergy to go try that for free. Memberful.com Mixergy. Bitmart seems to be a big source for you guys. Am I right? Bitmart. Yeah, they're
1: they're one of our one of our awesome clients. Um, they have an exchange, but they didn't have uh, functionality to buy crypto with your debit and credit card, and so uh, we service that for them. And that's becoming one of the most popular uh, payment methods uh, for them. Um, so it's been a been a great partnership. Because you could pay by with a bank account with them, right? Uh, they actually were, uh, in that case, no, I, I, you know, most of their business was crypto to crypto. Um, ah, okay. so that, that's where they started. So they actually didn't really have many fiat rails. And so really we were, uh, one of those solutions for them to, to, you know, enable, uh, everyday people to be able to interact with it if they don't already have, um, crypto.
0: Why is it so hard for you to add ACH? To take it out of uh, so, my bank account. So, I would...
1: so the reality is ACH, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of like a credit card in a lot of ways in terms of a fraud and risk profile, um, because you can do ACH reversals. And there's all sorts of uh, nasty things that can happen, uh, you know, in terms of uh, ACH reversals. And, you know, I've heard of all these horror stories, at a bunch of, uh, you know, businesses that turned on ACH, and then were just completely clobbered by fraud. And so we really wanted to make sure that we took our time before we launched that feature, um, to make sure that we're doing it a safe way. And then on top of that, you know, we also felt that the existing solutions in the market, a lot of them take like three days. We wanted to offer as close as possible to an instant ACH product. Uh, so same day. Um, so we, you know, cause part of the big value proposition, the other reason why I think a lot of people choose to use MoonPay is we're really fast. Like I think 80% of people get their crypto under 30 minutes. Um, and so, you know, that won't be necessarily as replicable with ACH, but we wanted to make sure speed was a important factor in, in when we turn on that, that payment method, you know, three days, isn't going to cut it.
0: And you're actually buying it
1: in real time for us. Yes. So, so what we're, what we're doing is we're taking on that risk. Right. And so, um, you know, that was one of the biggest problems when we were scaling the business was I remember very, very clearly uh, kind of black Friday, we were seeing huge spikes in transaction volume and we were running out of cash. We were out of money because essentially we had all these orders and we were out of treasury. And so thankfully I had some friends in crypto that I could call up to, you know, make some short-term loans uh, to help us. Right. And we, we relied on that. So, you know, we were bootstrapped, right. But we did take working capital loans. So that did help us. Um, Wait, wait. So then
0: you're saying that first you bought the crypto, then you, Wait, how then you have to wait for the credit card processors to give you the money?
1: Right, exactly. So so this it. is the important thing. So when you when you use your credit card it's not settling in real time. It right. settles T plus three in most cases, right? So it takes three days for that money to clear into our bank account. And then you add bank holidays and you add weekends oh, and then wow. you're like, Oh God, like you need to now front a lot of cash in real time for the customers. And so, you know, that's one of the, the biggest pain points was coming up with that liquidity when we were going through hyper growth. Uh, and thankfully we were able to secure um, some help um, to help us, you know, essentially scale that side of the business. And now what we're trying to do is trying to get an institutional credit line. Um, And that was challenging because, you know, banks weren't lending to crypto companies, right? As soon as you said crypto, although that's starting to change uh, that. And that's what we're really excited about. Hopefully getting a deal with a major bank done by the end of this year. That's one of our key objectives. Um, And that's going to help us obviously uh, in terms of uh, scaling the business and making sure that customers don't have their orders delayed (laughs) for any reasons. But that, that was like the, that's the terrifying thing. You know, all these customers DMing me or getting angry, sending me all sorts of scary messages and, you know, just trying to do the best that we Did could,
0: that happen? Uh, it happened it because happen. it took oh, you too it, long oh, to send Oh, it's the happened.
1: You know, I'm regularly DMs with people that are upset about not getting their crypto on time. Uh, you know, if you look at Trustpilot and some of the reviews that we get, most of them are around, you know, Moonpay is too expensive or Moonpay is taking way too long. And, you know, I think that's part of the challenges that you deal with in hypergrowth. And for for us, we're just trying to do it as best as we possibly can. I really care about our customers and making sure that they have a good experience, but we can't be perfect. We can't please everyone, Uh, but we can just
0: try to do our best when things go wrong. You know what? True. I do see exactly what you said on Trustpilot. It's those two issues. I was looking to see where else you're getting your traffic. It looks like, according to SEMrush, gamdom.com is another big user. This is an online, I guess. Um, pay. I can't see it because they won't open into the U.S. But they offer roulette and other games, gambling, right? Yeah, th-
1: th- there's some, there's some gaming platforms that re- like basically have the link, but we're not embedded in in those directly. So we do get re- random, like if you're looking at traffic, we do get a lot of referral traffic from a lot of these platforms. Um, but yeah, that's not a really a big. Oh, because
0: what this. they do is they send people out to go get Bitcoin. They get the bi- they get Bitcoin and then they send. Yeah, exactly. So so that
1: that happens, right? So people, they say, hey, you should try out MoonPay and then they link to MoonPay and then, um, you know, people go to MoonPay and then buy their cryptocurrency. So kind of similar to like, you know, the analogy is like an ATM, right? Um, People put their debit and credit card in, you know, if they're, I guess, on a gaming site. Uh, you know, they're going to a an, you know an ATM somewhere, taking their debit and credit card, getting cash, and then going in. And you know, part of me it's it, I can't control uh, what they do with their money, right? Uh, after the fact that when they get it, right? That would be wrong, uh, in my opinion. But you know, we obviously don't want people uh, immediately, you know, taking all their money and you know, throwing it on uh, red or black yeah uh, you know, that's not what
0: we built but, the you business know, so what for. from what I can see that site seems to be operating legally just not in the US but I, I don't know right and, and yeah and
1: outside the, the US I think gaming and gambling it you is. know that that will change uh you know I, I think you know it's starting to change already in the United States and Europe and UK and different parts of the world they do have tight regulation on it it is a, an activity that that is permissible um, but you know when I think about it it's actually you know this can make it a lot safer um, for a lot of these websites a lot of these websites used to be a black box you had no idea you know, there was no KYC you know, whatsoever. Whereas like with MoonPay, it's actually safer, right? If you think about it- Safer that, for from, the like, sites
0: to accept money because then they're not risking people using their sites for money laundering. Exactly. And
1: that's the reality is like, that's what's so crazy when crypto gets painted with this brush of, you know, oh, money laundering, money laundering, money laundering. But, you know, the reality is if, you know, the on-ramp provider, it's our responsibility to combat that money laundering. And we're doing- a lot of things that make it a lot safer than traditional e-commerce or traditional
0: experiences that have lived on the web before. Your uh, your TrustPilot rating is actually pretty high. I thought maybe with with that negativity <laughs> that it would be low. No, it's uh you've got thirty four plus thirty four thousand reviews and it's four point five out of five stars. Let's close it out with this. What's that? That helmet in the background? Yeah. So
1: the helmet behind me. Uh, I don't think your viewers are going to see the video, but uh, behind me is a helmet uh, that is, uh, a replica. It's a NASA replica space helmet. Uh, and obviously Munte, uh, you know, we're, we're crazy about space and, uh, kind of crazy story there. I don't want to give away too much. Um, but we're doing something with Buzz Aldrin. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had him wear that helmet temporarily. Uh, so the fact that his head was in that helmet, uh, to me makes it super special. Um, so yeah, excited to share more of that. Uh, stay tuned, uh, you know, love for you guys. If you're listening to check us out, uh, i uh, love to get your feedback, uh, you know, in the spirit of Kaizen, we're, we're continuously trying to improve. So, uh, you know, love, love getting feedback from, from everyone that, uh, hears and learns about us.
0: All right. And the reason people go to MoonPay right now is because A, they want to buy cryptocurrency and directly put it in their wallet and control it themselves. Or B, they want to accept cri- cryptocurrency as payment on their site and they want it as easy and smooth a process as possible. All right. Thank you so much for doing this interview. And thank you to the su- two sponsors who uh, who made this interview happen. The first will host your website, right? It's called HostGator. Check them out at hostgator.com slash Mixergy. And the second, when you're ready to start charging for your content, when you're ready to start really selling on your site, go to memberfulcom slash Mixergy. Ivan, it, that's such a like boss glass you're drinking out of. That's a oh, whiskey crystal glass. Yeah. It's a crystal glass. Yeah. You're just it's drinking a, water.
1: Yeah. Just drinking water. i make it cool. I put sparkling water in there. Yeah. I've actually I kind of come off alcohol to extent. I mean, I get, I, I mean, every now and then, right. But I'm actually, so I invested in a a cannabis water drink, which is pretty cool. It's called can, and it's essentially uh, cannabis uh, infused water. It's doing really well in California, but it gives you a light buzz with no hangover. Uh, cannabis so, infused yeah.
0: water gives you a buzz.
1: Yeah. Cannabis wow. infused water. It, I mean, it's uh you can look it up. It's one of my buddies from high school started it. That could be a cool interview. Uh, I could definitely set that up if that's interesting. I don't know if you cover cannabis I, stuff, but that, I cover that cannabis is, stuff. Yeah. I mean, that, and these guys are, they're, you know, drink of the summer by Vogue. They have incredible celebrity sponsors. They have, uh, who's that really famous, uh, YouTuber, um, Casey Neistat. They have, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. What What are they doing with Casey Neistat? Uh, well, he's an investor. So okay. there's this really good investor community behind it. And it's now the number one grossing uh you know can um, in uh, dispensaries. And the reason why I invested it was all about distribution. Like there was not many people selling. Uh, you know, Budweiser isn't inside the dispensary. So I was like, well, mm. if they can own the distribution and be the first kind of uh, de facto brand, which they're starting to become uh, that could be valuable. And so, um, yeah, they're, they're one of the, they're definitely a cool startup. And, and it's a interesting background of founders. They're both um, LGBTQ. So they both um, are promoting those initiatives. And I think it's, it's just like a cool story. Love, love for, If you, if you're interested, I'm happy I'd to make love,
0: I'd love the intro. I'd love to just I'm not a cannabis person, but I would try it in preparation for the interview just to understand. Oh, this is what and I'm that's doing.
1: actually brilliant because they don't want to go after cannabis people. What they're trying to do is it's such a low dose of it. It's it's basically they call it social tonic. So it's just trying to make you a little bit more sociable. It's not to make you high. <laughs> the goal is not to make you high. There is one experience that.
0: Oh, I wonder if I could bring it with me this weekend. I gotta try it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've brought it to parties and I have friends that just never smoked weed in their entire lives. And they're like, this is awesome. Like I get it. Why? And they don't. And the, the amazing, it kind of makes you a little bit giggly sometimes. And then, uh, you try pass out.
0: I have to say yeah. every cannabis experience, every weed experience I ever had was just like, uh, this is it. It's yeah. never really interesting. Yeah. But the freaking dispensaries look beautiful here in San Francisco. Oh, they're doing a great job. Yeah. And for people <laughs> who enjoy it, they just love it so much, they won't shut up about it. I want to see what that experience is like. And I'd yeah. like an alternative to alcohol also. Um exactly. I'm totally down for both of them. I guess I can come right. I can go to the dispensary here in San Francisco, any one of the ones can try in, in the mission and yeah. try to get it. You
1: can, you can try it. Happy to, I'm an investor. I can introduce to Luke, uh, who's one of the co-founders. His, his background's also super cool. He used to work oh, yeah. at uh, he used to work at Bain. Uh, so he was a consultant <laughs> in the BC in the, he was a Harvard business school guy. went to Bain. Uh, so he's like the lot, la- he never tried cannabis before. And then he, all of a sudden he's starting a cannabis beverage company. And it's because he just looked at the numbers. He saw that there was an opportunity to have an alternative to alcohol. That was his, that was the rationale. So it's a cool story.
0: Freaking a hell. Yeah. I'm going to follow up. I'm going to ask you for that introduction. I'm going to okay, keep I'll following up no on MoonPay. I feel like you did it, dude. You did it. <laughs> right, don't you that was well, fun yeah, you can't relax. I, I I like that you're not relaxed at all. You feel like there's like the more problems. things aren't where you hey. want to be, but <laughs> you're also, you're also appreciative of where you are. Maybe it's because you had that setback before. Maybe it's because yeah. I don't know. Because you're riding now a roller coaster, not a roller coaster. You're you're on a rocket ship. That's the that's the stupid analogy I'll use. It's you, a rocket ship you, for moon right. day, but Yeah. When I mean, things it, start it's to crazy. take off.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the you know I think the reality for me recently it's like I think we can build a bigger business than Coinbase, right? And that's what I think that burden of that opportunity in your mind, right? It's it's uh, it's a lot, yes. but it's exciting um because you know I I really think. Uh, they've missed the boat in some ways on this phase two of the adoption. And so I think they could be the AOL, right? They're competing against the Robin etc. et cetera. I think the next version is, it's all about getting your NFTs, uh, interacting with DeFi, uh, you know, doing cross-border remittances, um, you know, and, and the thing is we can, we've grown faster. So we've actually grown faster than Coinbase. And the reason why we did that was we didn't have to acquire those customers ourselves. You know, we're inside of all these other places. And you know we're for, we're in a we're in one of the big an app that is bigger than Coinbase Wallet, right? And we're getting all of those customers directly through there. So it's the PayPal analogy is probably the best one because eventually, you know, it's um, the network effect. It's not like there's ten PayPal's. There's going to be one or two, right? And the network uh,
0: effect for you comes from you being on all these platforms. They're not going to have three different. Companies. Exactly. It's like, it's kind
1: of like the Facebook login. It's like the crypto login and it'll be the crypto login everywhere. And you'll be able to take, you're not
0: going to want to KYC a million times. As that's well. that's what I feel like is the big advantage that yeah. once I've given you my driver's license, I don't want to give it to another person and then exactly. another person. And- you got it.
1: So okay. that, that's where the growth hack is going to come in. And that's why we're thinking about raising venture now, finally, is because what we want to do is kind of like PayPal where it grew unsustainably, where they're giving away free money to everybody. We want to do something similar and, you know, first transactions free, basically. And, uh, you know, basically that for us, once they're KYC, we know they're going to come back uh, and buy more. So it's kind of like
0: first coffee on the house type thing. Oh, oh, I see it. I see it. Imagine like Elon Musk says everyone should go buy it. And this is the place where they go buy whatever his next cryptocurrency Monte. is, right?
1: Like, <laughs> yeah. So- well, we got, we, we support Doge now. So we didn't have Doge. I when saw Elon Doge Musk, on yeah. there. Yeah. Well, so I mean, Doge is a controversial one, but you know, my, my view is uh, you know, it's not our job to be like the full, you know, part of it is if it's, if it's listed by Coinbase, then we should probably support it. Is kind of our mindset or it's listed, it's done. It's basically past the master of the top exchanges. And I think Coinbase's opinion now is do your own research if you want to buy dog but is coins. It, is it
0: going to be the the buy and hold place where MoonPay is going to help people buy it to hold it? Or is it going to facilitate transactions? It feels like to me, facilitating transactions is is the big win. Yeah, well, it's going to be both. We're going to have a wallet play
1: uh, at some point where it's kind of like similar to like PayPal, where you have a balance and then mm-hmm. you can move it anywhere. You'll have a balance, right? Because you know the friction point is you might not want to transact right there and then. You might want to transact later, and so that's why we got electronic money licenses so we can do that. So we're we're going to be regulated to hold fiat balances. So there's there's lots coming. We're we're just at the beginning. Uh, you know, the, the, yeah, so lots to. Yeah, you know, I'd love to catch up in a year's time and uh, you know do this again. I'm down, I'd love it. All right.